Well, if you wouldn't open your Bibles with me, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I have a message this morning that I pray will be a special blessing to those of us who feel helpless and hopeless. The title of the message is What I Can Do. Verse 13 of Philippians chapter 4. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This is, uh, like many other passages of Scripture, a very misused and abused verse of Scripture. I recently uh, heard an athlete quote this verse about an upcoming big game that they had. They got this big game, a big opponent, and said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Which in context, sounds like the man was saying, you know, we can just we can win this game. The Lord just help us just a little bit, you know. We can we can win this game. We bought got him licked, but if the Lord will strengthen us, you know, we can do it. It makes it sound like he doesn't need the, the Lord's help to, to play a game when they're a heavy favorite, you know. And that thought process is human nature. You know, people in all different areas apply that thought process to a lot of things that we do in this world. You know, I, I pretty much got it licked, but if the Lord help me a little bit, you know, I, I can do this. And when somebody says it like that, I don't know if they mean it this way or not, but this is what it sounds like. You know, I could just take care of my problems if the Lord just helped me just a little bit, you know. Me and the Lord together can take care of this, this problem. And in case you don't already know it, let me assure you of this. That's not what this verse means. This is the truth. We can't do anything. We can't do anything without the Lord. Didn't the Lord tell us that? John 15, verse 5. Without me, you can do nothing. We can't do anything. We can't breathe. We can't walk. We can't talk. We can't feed ourselves, we can't do the most simple tasks of life. And one day, I won't be able to do those things anymore because the Lord's going to take away my ability to, to do them. And as long as we can do those things, as long as the Lord has given us the, the strength to just do these basic, simple, everyday tasks of life, it'd be mighty good for us to keep this in mind. I do those things as the Lord allows wouldn't that keep the Lord in, in our minds in, in the right way to remember him? Isn't that what the wise man said in Ecclesiastes 12? Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Remember him now. Now, while it is true, we can't do any physical activity whatsoever unless the Lord enables us to do them. There is a far more important lesson being taught here. We can't do anything spiritual that the Lord requires of us, unless the Lord enables us to do them. And I want to spend the rest of my time this morning looking at the spiritual things that we cannot do unless the Lord enables us to do them. But we do them if the Lord enables us to do them. And I hope that we see this this morning, our inability. If the Holy Spirit will show us our inability to do anything that God requires and our complete dependence on the Lord, you know, if we see that, we'll have the spirit of worship. If, if we see 
if the Spirit enables us to see all that God's done for His people, that He's enabled us to do what we cannot do by nature, we'll be thankful. Boy, if you've got a dependent attitude and a thankful attitude, you can have the Spirit of worship. Now, I know this from, from Scripture. I can't do anything. I can't do anything. I can't do anything to be saved. I can't do anything to get God to save me. I can't do anything to earn a righteousness. I can't do anything that would be accepted by God. Because my works and your works are filthy rags. All our works can do is condemn us. They can't help us in any way. And when we see we can't do anything to please God, we can't do anything that God requires of us, we'll say with the Apostle Paul, who's sufficient for these things? Not only does that, that apply to preaching, who, who's sufficient to be able to preach the eternal God, salvation in His Son? Who's sufficient to hear those things and, and believe them and love them and receive them? Who's sufficient for anything that God requires of us? Nobody. Nobody but the Savior. He's sufficient. He's the one who's sufficient to do what God requires of me. So the first thing I see is this. The only way we can do anything that God requires of us is through union with Christ. When Paul says here, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, the word is, is in I can do all things in Christ, in Christ, through union with Christ. And you know what the truth really is? I already have done everything that God requires of me. If you're a believer, you already have done everything God requires of you. Because you did them in Christ. When he did them, so did you, because you were in him. Just like I sinned in Adam, I obeyed God's law in Christ. Just like I was cast out of God's presence in Adam, I'm brought back into God's presence in Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 2, just back a page. Here's the second thing. You know, we can only do what God requires of us if God works in us and makes us do them. Philippians 2 verse 13. For it's God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If you have any will any desire to do of God's good pleasure, and you have any ability to do it, it's not you. It's God working in you, making you do those things. And I want to give you a few things I thought of that I can do, that you can do, that God's people do by the power of Christ. First, look at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. By nature, I cannot believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But by the power of God, I do believe Christ. By His power. You know, that's the commandment of God. The commandment of God is not obey the law. The commandment of God is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But by nature, we can't do it. Look here at Acts 16, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before before Paul and Silas, 
and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe. What must I do to be saved? You got to do something you can't do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Now, the commandment of God is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the commandment of God. If you believe Christ, you'll be saved. The problem is we can't believe. Our nature cannot believe on Christ and trust Christ. Our nature is dead, and the only thing it will trust in is our dead works, which bring us condemnation. The only way I can believe on Christ is if God gives me faith to believe him. God's got to give it to me because I can't conjure it up myself then what am I to do? Well, I say this often. I'm going to say it again. Somebody might listen to me someday. If you want to be given faith in Christ, tell you what to do. You hear the preaching of Christ as often as you possibly can because God gives faith through the preaching of Christ. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's exactly what happened for this jailer. Read on here, verse 32. They told him to believe and they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized. He and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his heart. House. Now why did he believe God? They spoke unto him the word of God. See, faith cometh by hearing. When he heard who the Lord Jesus Christ is and how it is God saves sinners, this man and his house believed on Christ. And the same thing's true of you and me. If we believe on Christ, I tell you why we believe on Christ. Because God the Holy Spirit has worked in us and makes us believe. He gives us a nature that can't do anything else. The only thing it can do is believe on Christ. I didn't do that in my own power. The Holy Spirit gave it to me. Faith is the gift of God. God gave me that faith to make me believe on Christ. Scripture calls that faith the fruit of the Spirit. That's not my, it's not my fruit, is it? It's God's fruit. But I bear it because the Spirit dwells in me. Now look back at Matthew chapter 15. Now, we've already established this. I can't produce faith in my heart. But I'll tell you what I can do. I can beg God and ask Him to give it to me. And you know what? Begging God, falling at His feet, and begging Him for mercy, you know what that is? It's the evidence God's already given you faith. Look here. That, uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be begging God if you didn't believe He'd help you. Verse, Matthew 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not me. It's not right for me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. 
And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. This woman was begging the Lord and she wouldn't go anywhere else. Because she believed he's her only hope. If you beg God for mercy, that's evidence God's already given you faith. Now I can't make myself have faith. I can't make myself trust Christ, but I sure can beg God and ask Him to give it to me. And isn't it a blessing that God's pleased to give His people faith in Christ to do what we cannot do by nature. We can't do it by ourselves. He gives faith to believe on His Son, to rest our soul on Christ. Now I'll tell you what, if God gives you faith in Christ, you won't be able to not believe Him. Oh, your nature, your old nature, try to get you not to believe Him every day. But if God gives you faith in Christ, you won't be able to not believe Christ. Isn't that a blessing? God gives you faith and you'll never believe on anything else for your, to save your soul again. God gives His people faith and we don't quit believing. Alright, number two. By nature... I can't see Christ. But by the power of God in me, I see. I see Christ. When I, now, when I say by nature, I can't see Christ. This is what I mean. I don't see. Like, I don't understand. You know, somebody's trying to explain something to you and you're just not getting it. And all of a sudden you say, oh, I see. I understand. By nature, I cannot understand anything spiritual. I don't see, I don't understand my need of Christ. Because I'm so dead in sin, I think my righteousness, my rags of righteousness are good enough. I think I'm good enough on my own, so I don't see, I don't understand my need of Christ. I don't see my need of Christ to save me. Because I don't understand what sin is. I don't see what my sin really is. By nature, we can't see our need of Christ to save us because we don't know we're lost. It's like that sheep out there wandering in the wilderness and have no idea that we're lost. We can't see. Someone might think, preacher, you tell me all the time to look to Christ. And I don't know what you mean. I don't see him. I don't, I, I, where, where is he? I don't see him. I don't know what you mean. Now I understand. At the very least... When you say that or you think that, at the very least, you've got a sympathetic ear in me because I understand. I understand not being able to see. I understand not being able to understand. I was once blind too. I was, but now I see. And my advice to you is keep listening to the gospel. Keep coming here. Listen online all you want, but make it your business to be here in public worship service. Because our Lord said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. If you want to see Christ, wouldn't it be a good idea to be where he is? Jonathan, you're much more likely to see him if you're where he's at. And that just stand to reason. Be where he's preached. And if you look back over or over to John chapter 1, here's the greatest example that I can think of of our spiritual blindness. John chapter 1. 
Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. It didn't, the darkness didn't see. It didn't understand. It didn't comprehend the light. We're so spiritually blind, Christ, the light of the world, came where we're at. He shined in the darkness, and we're so blind we couldn't see. We couldn't see the light right in front of our face. Well, verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. (laughs) We're so spiritually blind, God had to send a witness to tell him he turned the light on. Now the only, if you're in a dark room, somebody turns the light on, the only person that needs somebody else to tell them the light's been turned on is is a blind person, right? If you see, you know the light's on. God sent a witness to tell us that the light is on. Here he is. Verse 10, he was in the world. The world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came into his own and his own received him not. Now this is how blind we are by nature. We could not see the light. And we refused. Not only could we not see, we refused to open our eyes and look. We refuse to see. We're spiritually blind. And by nature, we're also spiritually deaf. We don't have the ability to hear the gospel and believe on Christ. See, by nature, I mean, if you have ears to, you know, physical ears, you hear, you hear what I'm, what I'm saying. But we hear the gospel by nature. All we hear are a bunch of doctrines. That's all we hear. We hear the the ABCs, the tenets of the gospel, the pillars of the gospel, we, we hear them, and you can even understand them. But you don't hear the person of the gospel. You can hear the technical, I don't know how to say, the technicalities of the gospel. This is how God saves sinners. This is how God is just and justifier. Putting away the sin of his people by the sacrifice of his son. Substitution is the easiest thing in this world to understand. Somebody took your place. It's easy to understand. But here's our problem. By nature, we don't see our need of Christ. We don't hear. We hear the words of the gospel. We hear the, 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 the gospel of Christ is just logical. I mean, it's just nothing else is logical. Man's free will is not logical. The gospel's logical. You see it. You understand. But you don't see your need of Christ. You see, oh, here's how God saves sinners. But you don't see your need of Christ. See that? that that's the difference. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Here we are by nature. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, verse 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not. And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. 
And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. You see what the Lord's saying here is not only is, is it true that we cannot see and we cannot hear, we refuse to see. We refuse to hear. When the gospel is preached, and you know, the gospel offends the flesh. The gospel tells us how helpless we are. The gospel tells us how dependent we are on God. The gospel insults our, our morality, our goodness, telling us we don't have any. The gospel insults our intelligence, telling us you, you can't understand this unless God gives you faith to, to believe it and understand it. So what do we do? We plug up our ears and close our eyes and refuse to open them. We can't see and we can't hear, but we also refuse to see, don't we? We refuse to hear. I will not believe that. Now, brethren, our rebellion and our unbelief is our own fault. We cannot blame God for our sin. It's our fault. But you know what? By nature, we can't see. and We can't hear. But somebody does. Somebody does. Somebody hears Christ. Somebody sees him. Look at verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and they haven't seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and they've not heard them. You see. You hear. How did those disciples see? Huh? How did they hear? Many of you, you see, you hear. How do you see? Why do you hear? Huh? Well, you know, if you hear and you see, you know why the Lord gave me eyes to see. And he gave me an ear to hear. One day I was listening to the gospel. It's like I had so many other times. And this time I heard. What happened? Solomon told us in Proverbs 20 what happened. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. The Lord made a seeing eye and a hearing ear in you and made you see, made you hear. Now if you can't see and you can't hear and you can't understand, just like you can't make yourself have faith, I'll tell you what you can do. Now, I just told you who made the seeing eye and the hearing ear tonight. You can ask him to give them to you. You can ask, Lord, make me see. Lord, make me hear. He's the only one who can. He's the, only, the Lord is the only one who can make you see your need of Christ. He's the only one who can make you see that Christ is all you need. He's the only one who can make you hear Christ speaking in his word. Otherwise, all you hear is me. You're going to hear Eric, or you're going to hear Jonathan. You hear one of some of these men we invite. Otherwise, you're just going to hear men. And let me tell you, they ain't going to do you any good. Only the Lord can make you hear the voice of the shepherd in the Word. And when you hear him calling, you'll come. You'll come to him. And in it a blessing, the Lord takes his people who by nature cannot see and cannot hear, and he makes us see and makes us hear. And I'm telling you, once the Lord makes you see Christ... You see him everywhere, don't you? 
Once you hear Christ in the Word, you hear Him everywhere. It's Him. It's, this is speaking of Him. This is His voice in the Word. Oh, isn't that a blessing? See, if the Lord makes you see, and the Lord makes you hear, a false prophet will never be able to deceive you. You'll know, that's not my shepherd. That's not the voice of my shepherd. I'm not following him. Isn't it a blessing? Oh, we can't do that by nature, but the Lord gives that to his people. By his power, I see, I hear. All right, here's the third thing. By nature, I cannot give myself eternal life. But by the power of God, I have it. You know, I can't make myself live, and you can't either. Because we're born dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. And a dead man cannot make himself live. All he can do is stink. Now, if we're going to talk about spiritual life, spiritual life and spiritual death, this is a matter of life and death. If we're going to talk about this thing, we've got we to start at the beginning, don't we? It's always good to start at the beginning. How is it we became dead? God didn't create Adam dead. How, did, how did, is it that we became dead? Well, all men and women, boys and girls, all of us here, we were born dead in Adam. We became dead in Adam. When Adam sinned, he died. Just exactly like God promised him he would. You remember God created the heavens and the earth. He created a beautiful, perfect garden. Created Adam and put him in the middle of it. Perfect garden. And he told Adam, I've given you everything in this garden to eat. You eat all of it freely. Every bit of it tastes good. I mean, not only will it just sustain your life, you know, every bit of it tastes good. Adam, there's just one rule in my garden. Eat of all these trees, you as much of them as you want, but there's a tree in the midst of the garden. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't you eat it. And the day that you eat thereof, dying... Thou shalt die. Thou shalt surely die. That's how it's translated in our King James Version. But what God said is, Adam, when you eat that fruit, dying thou shalt die. You will immediately die spiritually. And you'll immediately begin dying physically. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. It happened just like God said it would. Adam ate that fruit, and the moment he ate that fruit, he sinned against God, and he died. He died. And everybody who had ever descended from Adam died in him. Died at that very moment. We all died spiritually just like our father Adam did. Now we're dead. Like I said a minute ago, we cannot make ourselves live. We can't, a dead person can't do anything to make themselves live because we can't do anything. Doesn't that just make sense? Well, preach, that's pretty dark. Is there no hope? Is there no good news for the spiritually dead? Can't you give me some hope? Oh, I can. I can give you some hope. If you're a dead sinner, I got good news for you. There's life in Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. See, here's the good news. If one representative man made you dead in sin, another representative man can give you spiritual eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. <clears throat> but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Everybody who is in Adam died in Adam. And everybody who is in Christ has life. Life in him. Now I'm telling you, if Christ has given you life, you can never die. The life you got from your parents, you're going to lose it one day. That life, physical life, is going to die. But if Christ has given you life, you can never die. You can never die the spiritual, the second death. The moment that this body dies, gives up the ghost, and dies. At that very moment, at that moment, you're going to open your eyes in glory, looking into the face of Christ the Redeemer. You can never lose that life. Isn't that assuring? Isn't that comforting? All right, here's the fourth thing. By nature, I cannot come to Christ. But by the power of God, I come. By the power of God, I can truthfully sing that song, Jesus, I come. Now someone might hear me, who hears me preach often, might say, Frank, you tell me in nearly every message you preach to come to Christ. And I've tried, and I can't do it. Well, again, you've got sympathetic ear. I understand. I understand. And I don't know if this will help you or not, but let me tell you what our problem is in this matter of coming to Christ, that we cannot come to Christ. Our problem in coming to Christ is a twofold problem. Look at uh, John chapter 6. Here's our first problem. We cannot come to Christ. That's our first problem. By nature, we cannot come to Christ. And our second problem is this. By nature, we won't come to Christ. John 6, verse 41. Here's the first problem. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me drawing and I'll raise him up at the last day. By nature, we don't have the ability to come to Christ. We can't come to Christ any more than a dead man can get up out of a casket and run out of a burning building. We cannot do it. And I'll tell you the reason for that. Our nature is ruined by sin. And you might think, well, preacher, you're being mean to me then. Tell me to do something I can't do. Well, the commandment of God is come to Christ. And by God's grace, I'm going to keep telling you, right where you sit, without moving a muscle, you come to Christ. And I'm going to keep telling you who Christ is. I'm going to keep telling you of His perfection. I'm going to keep telling you of His sacrifice that cleanses His people from all sin. I'm going to keep telling you that there is no sinner so vile and so lost, he can't find them, he can't save them, and he can't cleanse them. I'm going to keep preaching Christ to you. But if you ever start hearing the voice of Christ speak in his word, and you quit hearing my voice, if the Father teaches you who Christ is, you quit quit hearing me try to teach you who Christ is, and the Father teaches you who Christ is, you know what you're going to do? You're going to come running to Christ and nobody better get in your way. You're coming. 
Coming to Christ simply means this. Coming to Christ doesn't mean going to a physical place. Coming to Christ means this. Put all of your hope, all of your confidence and your salvation in Christ. In Christ. Well, how is it that the Lord draws a sinner to Christ? Huh? It's through the preaching of Christ. Look what our Lord says, verse 45. It's written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. All of my people shall be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard, and if they've learned of the Father, cometh unto me. <laughs> well, if the Spirit teaches you who Christ is, you'll come. You'll come. And you won't be able to go away. You won't be able to go out. Your old man will try to get you to go away every day. But you will not be able to go away because the Spirit's drawn you to Christ. The Father's taught you who Christ is. And you won't leave. Well, it takes care of our first problem, doesn't it? <laughs> we do what we cannot do by nature because the Spirit draws us to Christ. Well, look back at page John 5. Here's our second problem. We will not come to Christ by nature. John 5, verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come unto me, that you might have life. <laughs> now, by nature, we hear of Christ, and we refuse. We refuse to come to him. We refuse to rely on Christ as our all. Christ can help me out, but now I've got to contribute a little bit of this thing to make sure it's done right. That, that's our dead nature. I'll tell you what, if the Lord ever shows you your need of Christ. See, this whole thing is based upon our need. If the Lord ever shows you your need of Christ, you'll come to him. Remember that leper, after the Lord preached a sermon on the mount, came to, came to the Lord and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me whole. You know why he came? He had a need. Nobody else could help him. Only the Lord could help. He had a need, and he came to Christ, believing Christ could make him whole. And I tell you what, if Almighty God ever shows you you're a sinner, you'll come to Christ. You'll come to Christ. See, here's the good news. Listen to what the Savior said, Matthew eleven verse twenty eight. Come unto me. The law says, "Don't come," doesn't it? The Savior says, "Come unto me." Are you laboring? Are you heavy laden? Come unto me, Savior said. I'll give you rest. Come. In John 6, verse 37, the Savior said, All that the Father giveth me, they shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Now don't you think, oh, I'm not going to come to Christ and he might cast me out. I'm not going to come to Christ. I just don't know that he'll, he'll, he'll accept me. He'll have mercy on me. Don't you be saying that. The Savior said, if you come to me, I'll in no wise cast you out. Now you come to Christ, depending on him to be your all. Now, like I said, I'm going to keep telling you that to the Lord, as long as the Lord gives me breath. But I, I know when you'll come. It's when the Lord makes you willing in the day of his power. You'll come. You'll come. He's going to draw you to Christ and he's the one that's going to keep you. Now let me give you just a few more quickly in closing. By nature, I can't repent. I can't repent. I can't. I, I'm commanded to repent. And repentance is, is not being sorry for your sin. Repentance, the word means a turning. 
It means turn from trusting in your works and turn to trust Christ. And someone might say, I've tried. I've tried to quit trusting in my works. I've tried to trust Christ and I can't do it. I can't make myself do it. I keep trusting my own works. My friends, you're not alone. Nobody can make themselves repent. But I'm telling you this. If the Lord makes you turn, if the Lord reveals Christ to you, you'll turn. You'll turn. You'll turn to Christ. Jeremiah 31, verse 8. This is what the Lord said. Turn, or this is what Jeremiah said to the Lord. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned. If the Lord turns you, if the Lord reveals Christ to you, you'll turn. There's a famous illustration. I heard it first from Brother Marvin Stonecker. His mother and father owned a restaurant of some sort. And there's a little feller there. It has a Sunday buffet, you know, where they had the, all the stuff there, you know. And uh, this little fella was there eating, and he had a, them little pieces of corn on the cob. And they ate all the corn, and he had just sucking the juice and the butter. That corn was just in a, in, a, in a pan filled with melted butter. And you got those tongs and pulled that corn out of that melted butter, you know, and that little fella just sucking on that butter and all that out of that, just all over his face. Oh, it was so good. Well, everybody, the family, they were ready to go. They wanted to go home, just, you know, go home and take my Sunday afternoon nap. And that little fellow would not let go of that ear corn. He would not do it. And uh, Marvin's dad watched this whole situation going on, and he wouldn't let go. And Marvin's dad came over and said, you know, excuse me, would you mind if I tried something? And the parents were just beside them, yes, whatever. Marvin's dad went back behind the counter and came back, and he held up a Hershey chocolate bar. And that little boy dropped that ear corn and grabbed that chocolate bar. If the Holy Spirit ever reveals Christ to you, you drop your works and you'll turn and lay hold on him. You surely will. You'll repeat. Someone might think, well, I can't pray. The Lord taught us to pray. The Lord told us to pray. I just can't seem to truly pray. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? I'll tell you this, I know when we'll pray, when the Lord enables us. He makes us to pray. And this will be a comfort to you in your prayers. Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Spirit takes our prayers. He leads us to pray, to pray aright. And he makes intercessions for our prayers so that they're heard. Then when someone says, well, I can't give myself faith. And you know what? I can't keep myself believing either. How do I know I'm not just going to run away and fall away from Christ? Well, I'll tell you this, with the Lord, with his power, you're going to keep believing. Jude 24. Now unto him, not unto you, unto him that's able to keep you from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. He's strong enough, isn't he? He'll keep you. You don't have to keep yourself. He'll keep you. And then last. And this is very applicable for many here this morning. Many who may be hearing this recording later on. 
The Lord sends trials and troubles, and they're hard. And we think, I'm not strong enough. I can't do this. I, I see the, this, the trial barreling down the road at me. I cannot do this. I can't do this. My heart breaks for you. I know how you feel. But let me tell you, with the Lord you can. With the Lord you can. Not you and the Lord doing it together now. By His grace. You remember this in times of trouble and trial now. His grace is sufficient for thee. Just exactly like it was for the Apostle Paul with his thorn in the flesh. So what can we conclude from all of this? Salvation's of the Lord. It, I can't do one blessed thing, but He's done it all. Now God help us to trust Him. Let's, let's bow before our Lord in prayer. Father, how we thank You for Your Word. How we thank You that You have done everything that we cannot do. And that in Christ, Your people are perfect and complete. How we thank You, that Father, that You give faith where there was none. You give life where there was none. That You keep and preserve Your people. Father, I pray that You use this message to enable Your people to see our great need, our great helplessness, and the completeness of our Savior. Cause us to trust Him and Him alone. It's in His name, for His sake, the glory of His name we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.